He's looking at the cereal box. Uh, yes, as you guys can see, I got a nice little graphic here. Shout out to my buddy, my guy, Chad Hastings. He has started a cool little Instagram called 3 and Co. If you appreciate art that is also like cool and trendy, but you know, reflects the goodness of God, I highly recommend you go give him a follow, give him a like, go buy his art on Etsy and all that kind of stuff and support the local talent doing cool things for Jesus out there. So I appreciate what Chad's doing. I like what Chad's doing. He's doing a cool thing. Amen. So, but since I saw, he made a post about a week or so ago and it was a cereal box and it said, oh, taste and see for the Lord is good. And immediately I was like, man, that's so good. I love it so much. And I've just been pondering that and marinating on that whole vibe and that, that, that scripture of taste and see that the Lord is good. And so that is our focus tonight. We are going to get to a place tonight where we make it a necessity that we taste and see that God is good. Amen. Thank you, Craig. We're going to taste and see that God is good. Yeah, we are. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into that scripture over in the book of Psalm verses, or sorry, chapter 34, verse eight out of the amplified version. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord, our God, is good. How blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who takes refuge in him. So with that in mind, I want us to pray for that real fast to get our hearts ready to taste and receive that he is good. Amen. Father God, I just thank you so much for this message tonight. I pray and believe that you inspire us, you encourage us to go further in our relationship with you, that we take action tonight so that we can fully comprehend what it means to taste and see that you are good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love it so much in this whole little situation here because it says taste and see that the Lord God is good. And I was just like, how do we taste that? It's a little bit weird, a little bit awkward. God's kind of interesting the way that he verbalizes things sometimes. But what kind of came to mind here is, I was trying to figure out how am I gonna illustrate for this for you guys? How am I gonna get you guys this point across? You can taste and see that the Lord God is good. And so as you might see here, I have a plate of cookies right here. There's a good bit of cookies. I've got peanut butter cookies. I've got chocolate cookies. I've got sugar cookies. And so as you can see, they are here in the room tonight. Are they not? Do you believe me that there is a, a platter of cookies here in this place? Who here likes cookies? Oh, I see we got some liars in the room. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who here does not like cookies? We will pray for you. Um, no, I, I, truth be told, I, whether you're a cookie person or not, I believe that you can appreciate the fact that cookies, in theory, for most people are supposed to be good. They're supposed to be sweet. They're supposed to be a blessing to you. And so they are here in this place, but what, what good are they doing for you just by being in the room? They are here in this place. They're here in your presence and you all get to view and spectate these cookies, but they're not doing really that much for you at this point in time right? I mean, you guys could probably appreciate the smell. You know, if we, if we sat here long enough and I really tried and I like wafted it, maybe you get like a nice little fragrant scent. Like, oh, that peanut butter cookie strong. I like it. That's what I'm going to be eating. I'm going to have me a peanut butter cookie. Mmm, so good. Also like a good sugar cookie, double doozy from Great American Cookie. Mmm. One of these days I'm going to get a birthday cake, double doozy sugar cookie. And I'm going to eat the whole thing. But in order for you to fully experience and fully comprehend how good these cookies are, you would have to get out of your seat and take a bite of these cookies. In order for you to really understand how good this cookie might actually be, you'd have to get out of your seat and come grab a cookie 
and taste one. If you really want a cookie, you would get out of your seat. If you really want one, if you really want to taste one, you'd get out of your seat and take a cookie. Oh, she got two. <laughs> wow. Peanut butter haters in this room. I see this. I see you there. That's the peanut butter right there. <laughs> yeah. There's still, some, there's still some cookies left over here. And fear not, guys. I have more. If there's someone in the room that did not get a cookie, I have a whole another couple of boxes over here. And I will let a leader come around and, and you know, pass these cookies out. If you did not get a cookie... GW volunteers. He's the cookie man. Cookie man over there. Because I want everyone to experience that wants to, if you want to taste and see how good these cookies are, you're welcome to do so tonight. So now that you got your cookies, how do they taste? They all right? <laughs> they pretty, I, I will say this. They are from Walmart, so I did not put a whole lot of love and care into these cookies. But I feel like Walmart's bakery's fine. It's all right. They know what they're doing over there. They make some decent stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. So GW's going to come around. I, I ask and pray that, you know, you guys be a little bit quiet in your cookie endeavor over there. But I believe that you guys are all experiencing and tasting that these cookies are good. They are no longer just in the room and you also happen to be in the room with them. You are now interacting with this cookie. Correct? Much like this with God, we have to come to this understanding that we're not just supposed to simply be in the same room as God. We're not supposed to simply just be in the same room as our Bible or just happen to have elevation worship on the radio or Maverick City on the worship. And, you know, we don't just need to have these things going on in our life, but we should be interacting with this relationship that is God. Because for us to fully interact with it means that we are taking action in our walk with Him. Because what he says here is taste and you will see. He's saying, I need you to actually go and do something so you can understand how good that I am. And it says that if you do, if you actually interact with me, how blessed, how fortunate, how prosperous, how favored by God is the man or woman that takes refuge in him. When you truly choose to interact with God, that's when you'll be blessed. That's when you'll be favored. That's when you'll be prosperous. That's when you'll be fortunate. And ultimately you will have refuge in him. And I like the word refuge here. And I, and I looked it up as a, a definition. I, I don't know exactly which dictionary this came from. It's just a simple, simple Google search here. But it says a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. And some synonyms here would be a haven, a shelter, a sanctuary, a retreat, an oasis. I like that oasis word right there because when I think of an oasis, I think of a desert really dry and, and like just really hot and just awful sand everywhere. It gets, it's so, I hate sand. It's, it's, it's the worst. But an oasis in the middle of that dry and desolate place has life and sustenance and, and provision and, and help and good water, I assume. You know, if you're thirsty, it's going to provide for you. And so an, an oasis provides for those that are in a desert. 
You know, we live in this world that's much like a wilderness, if you will, or might feel like a desert, but God's saying, I am your oasis in the middle of the wilderness. Taste and see that I am good. Find refuge in me. I want to go over to the book of Luke because I feel like this is a very good account to relate uh, relate for us here. Over in the book of Luke chapter eight, this is the one with the issue of blood. I've talked about her before and I feel like maybe I've made this conclusion before, but it felt right to share with you guys tonight. So over here in the book of Luke chapter eight, starting in verse 43, it says a woman, okay, just to give context here, Jesus was going through a crowd because he was trying to go heal a man's daughter. And so they were in this village, they're in this way, they were on, they had just had this conversation. He's like, all right, let's go to your house. Let's go heal your daughter because she's not gonna die today, dude. I promise you it's not gonna happen. So we're gonna go. So they're going across town. They're going across the village, donkey and all. And it says a woman in the crowd, verse 43, out of the NLT said that she had been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe and immediately the bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Everyone denied it. And Peter said, master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him that she had been immediately healed. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I believe, and I believe that it's very obvious in this situation that this woman had heard about Jesus. She'd heard about his teachings. She'd heard about his miracles. She heard about all the good things that supposedly he was. And he was coming through her town. He was passing by her house. He was on her way to the grocery store, whatever it looked like for her. She knew he was there. But just the fact he was there did not mean she was going to get her miracle. Just because he was in the direct vicinity of her did not mean that she was going to get her miracle. Now, sometimes things happen and it's crazy and it's wild, but most of the often the time, God wants you to make an effort to reach out to him. He has made his goodness available. Jesus made his healing power available when he walked through the city. But this woman said, I've got to go and get it for myself. I need to taste of this goodness that I've been hearing about so I can see that it is truly good. Amen? Her belief and her action caused her to receive. So our belief that God is good and our action to interact with him will cause us to receive the goodness that he is. When we truly make an effort to be a part of this relationship, we're continually tasting how good he is. Our action produces reception. If you truly believe that God is who he says he is, do you truly believe that God is who he says he is? Faith is being divinely persuaded that he is who he says he is. Over in John 14, 6, we're all very familiar with this. It says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we are truly persuaded that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life, then it should cause us to walk differently, believe differently, and live differently. If we truly believe those things, it will cause us to act in such a way that shows proof of that.
We have to act on what we believe in order to receive. You know, it it takes a step of faith to, to say, I believe that God is good. I believe that God cares for me. I believe that God wants to provide for me. Therefore, I'm going to walk like God provides for me. I'm going to talk like God provides for me. I'm going to tell people that God provides for me. He's made this all available for us, and all we have to do is access it by faith and act it and walk it out. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, 28 through 30. It's so good. Miller started with Matthew 6, then Ashley did Matthew 6, and then she referenced Matthew 11. It says, Jesus said to them, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Once again, Jesus says, come and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and I will give you the lightest burden. He's basically saying, I need you to do something so I can get you something. I want you to partake of this rest. I want you to partake of this yoke. And this yoke here, I've always thought it's so interesting. I love the picture that Jesus paints for us here. He talks about yokes because back in this time in the Jesus period, and people still use it today, of course, but this is really popular back then. You know, they were working the land, they were tilling the soil, they were plowing the fields. And oftentimes, if you were, you know, wealthy enough or you just were smart enough and you didn't really want to do it yourself, you got animals to do it for you. You know, they had these things called, you know, big old bulls and whatnot and cows and bison or whatever it is. I don't really know what all they had back then. They had, they had big animals, big animals, guys. And so they had these things across their shoulders and often they came in groups or pairs and they would work these fields together. And what's really cool in this day and time, they actually handcrafted these yokes to specifically fit the animals that were using them. They would take these yokes to the yoke maker, the master of yokes of the village, and they'd be like, hey, I've got Billy the Bull over here. He's a young guy. He's cool. You know, he's very fit. He's got big, broad shoulders. I needed to be fitted for a yoke today. And so the guy would look at the yoke. He'd look at the shoulders, and he'd shave here and there, and eventually he'd take it back into a field. And then a week later, he'd bring back Billy the Bull, and he's like, hey, man, he's having a little issues with his shoulders here. And the guy would shave it down, and eventually the yoke would be perfectly catered to this bull for him to perfectly do the job he was assigned to do. So here in this instance, Jesus is saying, my yoke that I have for you is perfectly created for your life. My yoke that I have for you is perfectly designed for you to do the job that I want you to do in this world. Take my yoke upon your life. Jesus is saying that if you really grab a hold of this relationship with me. If you truly walk and you come and you give it all over to me, you put your trust over into my hands and you walk with me and you talk like me and you do like me, I will present this yoke upon your life and you will be able to go and do the things that you're predestined to do. I believe it says over in Ephesians 2.10, it says you were created as a masterpiece in his image, predestined to do the good works he created you to do. God 
has amazing, wonderful things for your life. But in order for us to start walking those things out, we've got to start tasting how good he is so we can start working towards that relation, start start working towards that call, start working towards that goal so we can do what he's called us to do. You know, it's in Romans uh, chapter two, verse four, I believe it says that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Now in this specific instance, that's really talking about sin. But what's interesting is sin could just be missing the mark. Sin could simply be saying, I'm gonna do it my way rather than God's way. But if you truly believe that Jesus is good and you've experienced his goodness, then you will repent from how you do your life. Repent just truly means to do a complete 180 to change your thoughts, to change your patterns, to no longer do it the way that you wanna do it, to no longer do it the way that the world wants to do it, but you want to do it in the way that is of Jesus Christ. His goodness will radically change the way that you walk. His goodness will radically change the way you live. We have to get to a place where we want it and we're walking towards it daily daily, daily. I have one last scripture for you guys. I don't know where I want to go because I had the whole deal here and I don't know that we have time to really get into it, but over in James 2, this says, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. It is dead and useless. Faith alone, just simply being in the room and saying that I'm a Christian and just saying that I believe in God and just saying that I'm this person that that goes to church on Sunday, saying that I read my Bible, (laughs) saying that I only listen to Christian music like I know you all do in this room. I saw eyebrows go up. It's fine. I understand. I have no qualms against secular music. I'm just joking, guys. It's okay. But just saying those things, just putting on that that front of like, yeah, I've got faith, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? But not actually walking, not really walking it out, not really acting on that faith produces nothing for your life. To me, that equates to the beginning of this whole thing. If we are people that just say we have faith, but our life isn't reflecting it, that means that we're not actually tasting how good he really is. We've never really sank our teeth into the cookies of God. (laughs) We've never truly experienced him in the way that he wants us to experience him. God has a platter of goodness for you. He wants more for your life than for it to just simply be in your vicinity He wants it to be in your possession. So my challenge to you all, as we we leave tonight, as we go about our days, we go about our week, as we go about our summer, is start analyzing and understanding how in my life am I not really tasting the goodness of God? God is constantly presenting opportunities to us every single day to taste his goodness. He's a living, breathing God that wants to be a part of your life in your mornings, in your evenings, in your school, on your bus, in your friendships. 
He's constantly presenting you with opportunities to see how good he is. Taste and see that he is good. And when you do, you'll be fortunate. You'll be blessed. You'll be prosperous. And you'll have his yoke upon your life. And you'll be able to do exactly what he called you to do. Amen. If you guys will pray, bow your heads. I want to pray for you real fast. God, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in this place tonight, Lord. I thank you that you've given us a boldness to look at our life, to look at our stance here, Father God, and you've given us insight as to how we can further ourselves in you tonight, God. How we can be sharper in our relationship with you, Lord. How we can be better at truly grabbing a hold of of your word and truly grabbing a hold of our relationship and utilizing it in the best way possible, God. As a lifelong friend, a savior, a Lord. I thank you that you're empowering all of us to make some decisions to be better at responding to your goodness, Lord. Be better at responding to the opportunities that you present us with, God.